Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Episode 9 of Dog Talk, the Indie Stars Butler podcast with Butler Insider Akeem Glasby. I am Macklinesque, K. Akeem. So Tuesday night, Butler had a chance at a quad one win on the road at Villanova, lose by 10. First half was, was you know, what we've seen a lot from Butler this year. Good offense, making threes, the defense not getting stops. Second half, when the shots don't fall and you're not getting stops, the other team can pull away. And that's basically what happened uh, Tuesday night. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a case of not putting together a complete game. It's lately they haven't been able to, you know, play good offense and good defense or, you know, if their offense isn't struggling to play exceptional defense, you know, the kind of offset the the lack of scoring production. So it's just not being able to put together two solid halves. And that's kind of what you saw, because in the first half, the offense was great, but they weren't getting stops. So it's just like they can't get to get it together on both sides of the ball. And that's going to, that's going to be a huge just area that they need to fix, especially down the stretch. Cause now every one of these games are getting more and more important because they could be on the wrong side of the NCAA uh, tournament bubble now. Yeah. They have been on the right side of the bubble, you know, two weeks ago and then have lost four or five. Again, no shame in losing a UConn, the number one team in the country, no shame in losing a number four Marquette in a game that was pretty competitive. And even the UConn game was competitive. No shame really in losing to, Number 17 team in the country, Creighton, even though it was a home game. I mean, Creighton just goes and beats UConn last night thoroughly. So, you know, Creighton's a good team. Uh, And at Villanova, like I said, it would have been a quad one win. So it's not like a bad loss. But when you were fighting with Villanova for like one of those last biggies NCA spots, that's where it really kind of hurts them. Again, they beat Villanova at home, so it's a split. So you still have, what, we got four games left in the Big East Conference at Seton Hall this weekend. And then it's St. John's, DePaul, and Xavier. You got to win those three. If you win at Seton Hall this weekend, you get to 20 wins. You're above 500 in the Big East. So everything is still there for you. So what do you see their margin of error? Or is there no margin for error anymore? I mean, the the one thing that really helps Butler is that they have the ninth best strength of schedule. So, I mean, I saw that on the the broadcast because they did the the mystery um, resumes. And then I was like, seventh strength of schedule. No way that's Butler. And sure enough, it was Butler. I was like, dang, they've I mean, the Big East is brutal. And that's what that's what the Big East is. You you will lose games like this even if you play okay. You know, like that's just life in the Big East. Yeah. And then again, they have the Texas Tech. And so they, they, they have a lot of quality wins, and that's obviously something they can fall back on. But you're right, the margin of error is very slim, and these last four games are going to be very important. And I would say they're all must-wins. I mean, would you agree? Because that's where I'm thinking right now. I think at Seton Hall, maybe you can get away with the loss as long as it's not a bad loss. Like, as long as it's not you're getting run off the court. But you have to win those those last three. You have to beat St. John's at home. You have to beat Xavier at home. You have to beat uh, DePaul. I mean, obviously, you have to beat DePaul. And then I think maybe if you go three and one in this stretch, you might have to get to the quarterfinals or even maybe the semifinals of the Big East tournament if you don't get that Seton Hall win. I think if you get the Seton Hall win and you win these last four, 
I think you're okay. You're at 20 wins. You're above 500 in a very difficult conference. Like you said, you have some of those quad one wins to lean back on in the non-conference too. So I think they would be in just because the Big East is good. Like it is a good conference. The Big 12 might be the best conference right now, but the Big East is really good. So, and I think the Big 10 being as down as it is, I think you'll get less teams from the Big 10 and you might see more teams from the Big East get in. So I think if they win all four, they're in for sure. I think if they go three and one, they still have work to do in, in the Big East tournament. So yeah, let's go. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to go back to like last night's game. And we talk about defense and we've talked about defense all year with this team. It, this is who they are. You know, this is what, you know, it's, they're a very good offensive team and they hope to outscore you. Like if they, if they're trying to get stops, it's just, it's not really part of their DNA. And I thought Villanova did a great, like their ball movement last night or Tuesday night, just working the ball around the three point line, pass, 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 like moving it quickly. When Butler double teamed, they burned them with shots from behind the arc. So they just, and then when you're double teaming, you're basically, and because it's not like Villanova had someone you had to double team, you're just trying to create pressure, trying to create a turnover, trying to create something defensively, but they're just not good enough there. Um, and I don't know why, because you see, like Pierre Brooks has got the body to play defense and body up people. Jamil Telford the same way. Uh, Posh Alexander is obviously a fantastic defender. Jalen Thomas can can defend the rim, so can Andre Screen. So. Is it system or is it just the pieces or is it again like this is the first year these guys have played together and defense is more synergized than maybe just offense can be? I think other teams are just really good at finding mismatches. I mean, and that's exactly what Butler tries to do. I mean, on defense, if if DJ Davis is on the floor, they're going to back him down. They're going to take it right at him and, and force him to defend. Or if Finley Bizjak's on the floor, they're going to take it downhill and force him to defend. And then if you're scrambling, then you're scrambling, and that's when the you know the swings and the kickouts come, and that's when the shooter comes open. Like uh, what was his name? Uh, Brandon Hausen with three threes shot three for four and he was getting wide open looks and it's it, it only takes a split second to catch someone out, out of position and, and these big east shooters are so talented that they'll make you pay time after time so it's not it's just great execution and maybe just a split second lapse but yes th this team has the the tools to be a solid d defensive team but yeah right now it's just they seem to be a split second late and then Andre Screen has to deal with foul trouble and then but Jalen Thomas I would say he played great defense on Eric Dixon I mean Dixon went six of six of 16 two from eight from three but then he went eight from eight from the free throw line so it's he kind of offset the inefficiency there with really strong production at the free throw line but you know if they would have said before the game that Eric Dixon shoots six for 16 they'd, they'd probably take that so just not a it's, I don't know. It's just it's just that last little piece or the, the offensive rebound that leads to the second chance points. You know, after they play a really good defensive possession, just the little things seem to be lacking. But it doesn't necessarily mean they're a bad defensive team, but they're definitely not a good one right now. And, and, and that's what's holding this team back. I mean, that's what's holding it from being, you know, in the upper echelon of the Big East and a, and a ranked team. Uh, is it is it fixable this late in the season or are they just going to have to hope for shootouts and hope that the shots that we're dropping in the first half will drop in the second half too. Is that kind of where we're at, where they're going to have to win those Creighton type games, the first Villanova game, you know, where it's just, just a shootout. Yes. I mean, and I think that's what other teams expect too. Like, like I said, Greg McDermott was like, they, they made some tough shots that we wanted them to take and 
and all Butler can do now is make those shots. I mean, again, just watching last night's game, they have this out of bounds play where DJ Davis curls into the corner and shoots it. And in the early in the season, that was an automatic, you know, three pointer that could really change momentum. But as you saw, you know, last game, he airballed one pretty bad, and then he tries to draw contact on another three. And just those those sets that were working so well that they haven't been there. So they now I actually talked to Coach Barlow this morning, and it's like you got to make the counter to the counter now and see what they can do. I mean, there's no there's no magic elixir or anything like that. It's just coming down to the beating the guy in front of you. And, and that's just what Butler they've shown they can do. They just got to get back to doing it well. And they've had a lot of off games. You know, Pierre Brooks hasn't been the scorer that he was earlier in the season. DJ Davis is, is he's definitely in a slump right now. And, you know, Posh Alexander shoots it really well in the first half, but then in the second half, he goes ice cold and it's like, he's almost too successful. And even in the, the, the in between uh, during the timeouts, Kyle Neptune was like, keep going under the screens for Posh, which is basically selling, let Posh keep shooting because, you know, eventually the, the, the numbers will even out and they, they proved that to be correct in the second half. So just Pierre Brooks and I mean, Jamil Telford, he's continued to be their best player, I would say, but, and Jalen Thomas as well has, he's taken on a, a larger offensive load, but it's just Pierre Brooks and, and DJ Davis really. And then another one of a, a bench spark off the bench, whether it's, you know, Finley Bizjak or Landon Moore, some combination of those guys have to be on their A game if Butler wants to win. Yeah, Landon Moore needs to be stronger rebounding the ball with the ball in his hands. He needs to be able to hold on to it and not let people take it away from him. Um, but the DJ Davis shot that you're, I was watching the game with my father-in-law, and it was right out of a timeout. They threw it to him right in the close corner, and he just chucked it up. And I was like, well, that's, that's not the shot you want out of a timeout. And you know what? I guess I guess it was exactly the shot that Butler wanted because it was what they called out of a timeout. It just looked wild. Um, with this team, we've always talked about how the the amount of people who can beat you makes Butler really dangerous. Like if Pierre Brooks is hot, if Jermaine Telford's hot, if DJ Davis, there's a lot of guys who can score. Can that be a detriment at some point, though, where you're trying to find who's going to get you? Like and Pierre, because there was a moment in, in the beginning of the second half where I think Pierre Brooks, like at the very beginning of it, scored like seven points in quick succession. And you're like, all right good. Pierre's going to get us through there. And then it's like, then he goes cold. And so now, okay, now Jamil, now it's your turn. Is it, is it to a detriment that they have too many mouths to feed and then some guys can go cold and then they're out of the game kind of thing. And then when you need them to get going, or is it just, you want as many, you know, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it seems like there are times where Pierre might just be floating around on the perimeter waiting for Jamil just to do his clear out and back down and hit that little, you know, that little floater over the top. And then he can get out of rhythm that way. Same with DJ Davis. If he's not getting, you know, he's a volume shooter. If he's not getting the volume because every, someone else is. I mean, ideally they'd want one person to, because the the defense reacts to that. So if, if DJ Davis is going off, then the def, the attention of the defense will shift to him, shift to him. And then that allows other people to get going. So they kind of need that one person to start. It's like a chain reaction. If, if Jamil starts, shooting well then the, the defense shift towards him and he can create for other players and yeah Pierre got going but then he kind of cooled off and then so they just need one person to really kind of take that offensive load at least to start and then have the other players build around them but if yes if they're starting and stopping and you know playing because they had long stretches of that game where no neither team was scoring and I don't know if it was great defense or bad offense but there was you know where the, both teams just went really ice cold so it's it's hard to say that, that this game might not be a great example of that but against Creighton everyone was scoring and that's I'm sure the coaches want that where every play they run for anybody can can score but if they had to pick and choose I mean they've got 
got three really talented guys, and they definitely need more than one because right now it seems like Jamil is the only one that's creating consistently on offense. But So I would say in a perfect world, they have four players in double digits, but you know, right now they need to get two that can consistently find their shots, and then the rest will kind of go from there. I really do enjoy the Jalen Thomas little push shots, the little floaters <laughs> close to the basket, you know, because every, you know, the, for a big man to have such a soft touch, it's, you know, you're sometimes you're like, oh, that's too far with him. And he's just, it's almost money every time. You're like, oh, that's in, that's in. Um, so Jalen, I think the rotation they have with him and Andre Screen is working. I think that they, that's, that's not like the interior is not like an obvious flaw for this team. I, I don't think maybe defensively it might be, but even then I don't, I don't think it is because I think Andre Green is strong enough to hold bodies off. So the, while they're a perimeter oriented team, it's not like they're devoid of any sort of talent inside. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it just comes down to getting stops one way or another and then finishing the possession with the rebound too. Cause again, we've seen second, second chance points have, have really hurt them. So it's not a deficiency inside, but it would be nice if they had one more big body to kind of help them when, you know, if Jalen gets into foul trouble and Andre Screen was playing, you know, with, you know, with, uh, in foul trouble throughout the game too. So that limits his aggressiveness. And we, we have like five of the 10 fouls they had. Yeah, and so we haven't seen a lot of Bowden Kapke. I guess maybe Augusto Cassio kind of, has kind of taken some of Bowden's minutes, but even then he's just kind of coming in for one or two possessions to play defense. And they're kind of just they, – I would. it's not that they're lacking in talent, but they might just be one more person short in terms of in the rotation. And we kind of Turnbull has been out injured. And so, I mean, maybe he, he could have been that person that they would have turned to. But, yeah, just they're kind of just one person short that – to get those key stops that they when they need them. All right, so we've talked a little bit about the schedule. Let's talk about Seton Hall. Seton Hall beat Butler already once this year. Um, how do you see this game matching? You know, matching up. Where do you where do you see this game being won or lost for Butler? And do you, do you think they feel the pressure? You've talked to the coaches, some players. Do you think they feel the pressure of losing four or five? It's February. That's the last thing you need to be doing in February if you want to make the NCAA tournament. This is a program that has built its reputation on the NCAA tournament. Basically, like their success there. That's how Butler became into the national consciousness. It's been a while since they've been back there. They're so close. Do you think any of them kind of feel that pressure of, you know, this is this is must win territory? I mean, again, I, I asked Dad that after their last home game, and he said it's not something that he talks about. I, they're just well, – but, they but they're human. These are human – you know, these are kids – not kids because now they're in their 20s. But still, I mean, these uh, – and I don't think – have any of them played in the NCAA tournament? I'd, I'd imagine Pierre Brooks did uh, when he was yeah. in, in Michigan State. Uh, maybe DJ Davis as well uh, at UC Irvine. And, I mean, they've played big games. I mean, DJ, he had, you know, 20-plus points against Oregon, you know. So they're, they're not they're, – they've played on big stages before. I mean, Jamil Telford has, you know, uh, Olympic experience with Team Canada. So, I mean, these guys have played in, on big stages. So – but yes, I will say that the, the the players are human. They are young adults. So even if that doesn't mention it, I mean, all they have to do is go on Instagram or or Twitter and see just how badly the fan base wants to get them into March Madness and wants them to just get back to their glory days. So whether that that's affecting them on the court, I'll say no because the, again, these are they're talented, basically professional athletes who can who you know wouldn't get to this level if they couldn't block out the noise. So I, I will say. No, it's not affecting them on the court, but I'd be lying if I said that I didn't think they definitely are aware of just how important each game is down the stretch. All right. So 
is 20 wins the magic number? Is that what they have to get to get into the NCAA tournament? Or at least be 500 or better in the Big East? Can, they can't get into the tournament if they're below 500 in the Big East, do you think? Yeah, sure. I'll say I'm not a bracketologist, but yeah, a nice round number will probably help them get into the, the big dance. Okay. All right. Well, it starts Saturday in, is Seton Hall in Newark or is it just out? I think it's, it's in it's New in, Jersey. It doesn't matter. All right. So Seton Hall on Saturday, it's in Newark. Yes. Beautiful Newark. Uh, here they're redoing the airport. So they've redid the airport in Newark. So it's not nearly as bad as it used to be. So I, I'm not saying anything on the list of my worst <laughs> airports to go to. All right. So okay. Seton Hall, then St. Xavier. So two home games. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see if they can get it done. All right, Akeem. Uh, this has been episode nine of Dog Talk. Uh, follow Akeem on Twitter for all your updates and IndyStar.com where we'll have everything Butler Bulldogs related. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.